Hey everyone, welcome to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I'm your host, Angie Miller, and today we are going to talk about fall prevention for the aging population. Because it turns out that statistically, falls are the greatest cause of immobility and loss of quality of life with our older population. And that's where, as trainers, I think, and fitness instructors, we can play a really powerful role in keeping our older adult population mobile and safe and preventing these falls. So today I have with me Dr. Joni Boyd. She is an associate professor at Winthrop University, which is right here in the Charlotte area in my backyard. She is also project director of Bingo Size in South Carolina. Joni's going to tell us a little bit about Bingo Size. And she's also an APA master instructor. So Joni, I'm going to bring you in and have you introduce yourself. Hello, Thank you, Joni. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Um, again, my name is Joni and I am an associate professor of exercise science and coaching at Winthrop University, which is just about eight miles south of Charlotte in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And as Angie mentioned, I am the project director for a program called Bingo Size South Carolina. We'll talk a lot about that today, but it's a falls pre prevention based program in long-term care nursing facilities. Um, and I'm an AFA master instructor, as mentioned. Thank you. Okay, awesome. Well, you know, who doesn't want to play bingo and prevent falls? I mean, come on. So, um, you know, bingo is kind of a fun game. Haven't played in a long time, but I'm very interested in hearing more. So, Joni, we know that uh, falls are a really big risk for the senior population. I trained two seniors and um, actually one of them had COVID recently, and then he had a lot of setback as far as balance is concerned. And then he recently just fell again. And it feels like one once it happens, you know, the bones become weaker and more brittle. Balance becomes compromised. That means less agility and mobility. And anytime that happens, we're, we're losing quality of life and we're at greater risk uh, for um, actually longevity of life too. So um, we know that balance is important. Um, but what, what would you say are the essential components, almost like the essential components of a diet? What are like the most essential components of a workout for older adults. Certainly it's not getting big biceps. Certainly. And you're right. The, the statistics are staggering. If you look at the statistics of, of falls in, the, in our older population, uh, for example, uh, about a fourth of adults that are over the age of 65 fall in the United States each year. And the, this is the number one um, injury related death or cause of injury related death for people in this age group uh, is, is false. And so it's, it's absolutely critical that we enable some strategies, some, some treatments, some programs that will help reduce falls in the elderly population. There are some very useful programs and we'll talk about a couple of programs that, that are out there that are packaged nicely and you can implement the program as it is. But Primarily, we're looking at three components that can help to reduce falls through exercise, through uh, movement, et cetera. And that's an incorporation of exercises that impact the bone health, exercises that impact muscular health, um, and then exercises that bring them together with the brain and incorporate that cognitive component, which, believe it or not, is a big factor in why we lose balance and fall. 
Mm. So you're saying three essential components and, um, and that would be the exercises that increase our bone health, exercises that improve our muscular health, and then exercises that put it all together and also challenge the brain. And we're hearing more and more about that. And so I think that that's really, truly essential. Um, and so Joni, let's kind of talk about one of the things that I think you had mentioned was the programming. Some programming is packaged up and pretty and we can put it to use as trainers. So give us an idea of some programming um, that you uh, would recommend that is packaged well, that would give us useful tools. Certainly. Um, the, the current program that I am, I'm using and implementing in 60 long-term care nursing facilities in South Carolina, specifically aimed at what I feel is probably one of the most underserved population when it comes to exercise and health is called bingo size. Um, and bingo size is exactly what it sounds like. It's the combination of bingo and exercise put together. And this is a really fabulous program that was um, uh, developed by Dr. Jason Crandall at Western Kentucky University. And it implements combination of bingo calls, just the fun game of bingo with moves that are um, cognitive in nature that build that muscular strength that we talked about, as well as weight bearing as much as they can be. The moves can be uh, modified for individuals who are ambulatory or who are non-ambulatory. And in fact, bingo size has become so successful in the, pro in the, the um, facilities that it's been incorporated that it can really be expanded to other populations. It was primarily delivered or created for the older population. So that's what makes it so intentional. Um, other programs that, that work really well, Otega is a great program uh, that you can find more information about online, as well as Tai Chi. Any Tai Chi-based program really helps to focus on balance, coordination, muscular strength, along with some of those weight-bearing activities. Okay. So I heard Tai Chi, which I've heard a lot about, you know, I've definitely done some Tai Chi and I, I, there's so much research on Tai Chi and brain health, Tai Chi and, um, Tai Chi and, and just better emotional health, Tai Chi and movement, mindful movement, you name it. So we've got the bingo size. We have the Tai Chi, we have the Otega you mentioned. Um, I'm curious to go back to bingo size real quick. So it's B3. Give me an example. <laughs> so you say a number, then what? So the, the program and, and the, the certification that, that comes with that or the training, I would say, to teach you how to deliver bingo size really walks you through all the different options that you can do. But in a nutshell, it's, it's a couple of bingo calls and then followed by um, some sort of, of physical movement. Um, so we might do 30 seconds of a specific exercise in, you know, especially if we're seated, we might be 30, do 30 seconds of an exercise or, or 10 reps of another exercise. And, and the exercises that are, uh, that you're trained are ones that increase muscular strength, bone density, some sort of weight bearing component along with the cognitive focus. So it's, you know, some sort of raise the roof combination of, of scrape the sky. So those are just sure. some examples of, 
getting the individuals to not just repeat the same movement pattern overall, but we might incorporate some complex combinations that then incorporate the brain. And they they get to wrap that into the, the fun game of bingo. And of course, there's great prizes because what's bingo without prizes? Oh my gosh. I mean, seriously, it's like, what's Cracker Jacks without a prize at the bottom? Come on. So again, I'm talking to Dr. Joni Boyd. My name is Angie Miller. I'm the host of Strong Mind, Strong Body. I'm so here. You're so glad you're joining us. I'm talking to Dr. Joni Boyd, and she is an associate professor at Winthrop University. She's also an APA master instructor, and she is a project director for Bingo Size in South Carolina. Um, you know, Joni, it's funny because when I teach seniors, I teach, I train seniors, and then I also teach a group fitness class for seniors that is seated. And I do so many arm patterns. I do so much cross-body movement and I try to do multiple, multiple body parts at once, but also doing arm patterns. I mean, we do Vogue arms, we do it all because I want them not to just be going through the motions, but to actually be paying attention to the motions that they're going through so that they're having to strategize and think about building and developing patterns. Yeah. So, um, I love that. I can't wait to try bingo size. Actually, Joni, has agreed that I get to join her on a bingo size project at some time in the near future. Okay. Yes, so, so Joni, so far we've talked about, you know, those three components of exercise, which is they have to build bone health, muscular health, and brain health. And we talked about Otega and Tai Chi and bingo size. Um, let's talk about some kind of specific exercises. I know we've already talked about cross-body movements, but are there specific mobility exercises or cognitive exercises that you can think of that you include in bingo size that you want to share? Yes. And I think it doesn't have to be specific to bingo size. It's certainly, you know, that's a, that's a great program, but even if you're looking to incorporate just moves that would really meet the needs of the older population. And I often joke with my classes that even if you're not considered a senior, you're, you're a pre-senior. There, there's two categories. There's seniors and pre-seniors and yes. pre-seniors is pretty much everybody else. And I do believe that best treatment strategies begin in that pre-senior phase. It's important that we build strength before it becomes a, a reactive response. So being proactive instead of reactive, there, there are studies now to suggest that we may be able to increase bone mineral density past what we originally thought of about 35 years old. We may be able to main that, maintain that or, or possibly even build it, but it would have to come in an individual who, who is utilizing some of those strength-based weight-bearing moves earlier in life as they progress through, through the lifespan. So first and foremost, let's think of it just in a silo, some sort of weight bearing exercise. And here's the deal. What are the three or, or three common, um, you know, types of movement patterns that aren't weight bearing? First swimming, for sure. You know, water-based exercise generally isn't as weight bearing. Biking isn't, is generally isn't as weight bearing. And I love to throw this one in there, surfing. Although I'm not sure how many of my older population would be surfing. That's another example of, you know, an activity that isn't quite as weight bearing as what we might do that's more land-based. So what, how much weight bearing exercise is happening? Um, our older population certainly loves to, to utilize the, the water for various reasons. And for arthritis, it is very helpful. There is, there's a lot of research to show that hydrotherapy, which is water-based movement, is very helpful for the management of joint pain, arthritis, osteoarthritis, et cetera. 
However, it doesn't necessarily impact bone health the way that weight-bearing exercise does. So first step is incorporate weight-bearing, even if it's just walking, walking, you know, it's some sort of, of group exercise movement where you're, you're land-based um, is the best way to begin. So starting there is my first suggestion. Or even if it's just, you know, body weight movements, it doesn't have to include a lot of external resistance, but just body weight movements. Exactly. But, you know, one thing I love that you said earlier, Joni, was you said um, you may not be a senior, but you're a pre-senior. And I do feel like that we are a society that is geared toward I'll get older when I get older. Right. Or I'll deal with that when it happens. But all of us are getting older. <laughs> we yes. may not be old as whatever our perception of old is, because everybody gets to define old, uh, however they define it, but we're all getting older. We're all aging. Yeah. And so we all need, um, we all need to think about what kind of strategies can we put into place now to make myself, my longevity clearer and healthier. Right. So. Correct. Yes. And I will say that, you know, as I mentioned, there, there's research to suggest that some people may be able to push these limits, but there is a, a pretty clear foundation that most people um, reach peak bone mass, which means that our bones are as strong as they're probably going to be around age 35. There's the, the, that very small percentage that have really built a, a great foundation where they may be able to increase more and sustain for a longer period of time. But what that means is that for, for those of us after 35, if we're not maintaining, we're going down. The yeah. second piece is, is almost the same for, for really the next component, which is muscular strength, that most of us reach some sort of peak muscular ability around age 30 or so. Um, and again, that can be very variable based on, you know, your fitness level, and what you're doing and, and your your life patterns, your life um, exercise behaviors. But again, if we're past 30 or 35, then and we're not maintaining, then we're going down. So it is uh, certainly, you know, and at 35, we're not seniors yet, but we're those pre-seniors. And if we're not engaging in activities, then it's going to be more challenging as we get older. So certainly younger ages, you know, those middle ages are really important to incorporate these same components. Um, and absolutely in the older ages is where we, we want to focus here more than we might focus on power or agility or even hypertrophy right. that we might see in our younger populations. These are certainly the primary goals. Right. Absolutely. Because those, you know, agility is great and, and all of those things, but we know that we really want to keep our bones strong and healthy. We want to keep that muscular strength up and we want to keep that brain healthy. And if we can combine all those three, then that's really where the trifecta is in training older populations, but also younger populations to prepare as we age throughout the lifespan. Yes. So again, I'm Angie Miller. This is Strong Mind, Strong Body. And I'm talking to Dr. Joni Boyd, and she's an associate professor at Winthrop. And she is also a project director of a program called Bingo Size. And she's a project director in South Carolina. So we're talking about all these different things that we can do to train an aging population to prevent falling. So Joni, give us some more specifics, like maybe some brain-based exercises or whether you want to do mobility exercises, whatever you want to do that will kind of keep our seniors agile and mobile and prevent them from risking falls. Absolutely. 
as mentioned, the, the foundation should be your weight bearing exercise as, as much of that as your, as your clients or your participants can tolerate. When you build then upon the weight bearing exercise, you want to look specifically for um, muscle strength and, and really incorporating muscular, a combination of strength and endurance. So we don't necessarily have to focus on one rep max as what we might think of in strength. But we're working on the ability to, you know, stand without needing to hold on to something, maybe uh, body weight squats without resistance or, or extra weight, um, walking up a set of stairs, walking down the stairs, which can be mm -hmm. as challenging as going up, um, it, getting up off the floor. So I incorporate movements with the seniors that can get down and up, um, even if it's difficult for them. I want them to get on the floor. We hope we do some sort of plank-like movement and we teach them how to get up, how to engage the glutes and the quads in order to, to help get them up off the floor. So incorporating um, beyond the weight-bearing exercise, very specific muscular strengthening exercises. And primarily those glutes, quads, calves are really important because those are the, the the foundational components of standing, of walking, walking upstairs and, and getting back on your balance. And then, of course, some core based movements as well. If we're looking specifically at, um, you know, what muscle groups to target and then you can incorporate the activities of daily living, like reaching up to get something is always important. But to me, reaching up to get something while it's an activity of daily living, it may not necessarily fall under the category of falls prevention, so to speak. Um, so I want to really focus on the falls prevention strategies through first uh, weight bearing exercise. Second, focus on very specific muscle groups um, that help to maintain that balance. And then the third step that we'll move to is now cognitively incorporating complex movement patterns um, in order to train the brain. Yeah, I like that. I like the way you mentioned going up the stairs and down the stairs, um, because even if they don't have stairs in their home, I know a lot of seniors specifically move into homes that don't have stairs as, as they start to age, but stairs are a part of life. You're still going to go places where you have to walk up and down stairs. And you also mentioned getting down on the floor and up from the floor. And that is such an essential training tool that I use with my seniors. I have to actually teach them how to get from the floor and get back up again. And there are actual strategies, step-by-step -step strategies to teach seniors how to stand appropriately. And it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, in a weird, I, I went, uh, I had an ATV accident in Costa Rica years ago <clears throat> and I stuck my arm out because I, I rolled the ATV and I stuck my arm out, which is the worst thing you could do and snap my arm, of course, broke my arm terribly and uh, banged my head terribly. And a friend of mine, first thing out of her mouth is, oh, you didn't learn how to like drop and roll. And um, because her son rides motocross and I was like, yeah, turns out nobody showed me or actually like I never thought about how to crash and burn. Same thing with kettlebell training. I teach people how to miss a lift. So we have to teach seniors worst case scenario. You yeah. fall down. How do you get back up again? I yeah. love that you mentioned that. Absolutely. And then the next step is to really start to incorporate the complexity of movement, because here's the truth. Generally speaking, seniors aren't going to fall walking straight forward. They aren't going to fall, maybe even walking up the stairs because there's a handle to hold on to. There's, while it may be a challenge, that's generally not where seniors fall. Seniors fall when there's a quick shift in balance. When, for example, for my aunt, 
um, her dog ran under her feet and she had to take a step to the right um, too quickly. And that step to the right threw her off balance. And whether her hip broke first and she fell or she fell and broke her hip, because research says that both can happen. Regardless, it was the quick movement pattern for her that the strength between her bones, muscles, and brain couldn't handle. So she, yeah. um, you know, did fall and and had a, a broken hip as a result of that. And unfortunately, as many of our seniors do, she never recovered. Um, that hip was the start of the downfall for her, um, which eventually took her life. So this is why it's so important to incorporate the cognitive component, the, the movement in all three planes of motion. So are you moving your clients laterally? Are you moving them in the frontal plane? Are you teaching them to change, um, shift from one leg to the other, right to left, side to side? Are you teaching them to, to move backwards in a, in a, a movement pattern, which is still the sagittal plane, of course, but is much less common than, than forward-based movement? Are you teaching them to do cognitive things like talk and walk? Uh, believe it or not, that can be challenging for some people. Um, to I, I like to throw out different strategies like, um, you know, I'll give them a word and then we'll perform an exercise and they have to repeat the word back to me so that there's a, a memory-based component. So we're intentionally incorporating mindful movement, both physically as well as mentally within yeah. the, the programs. And that's, that's really critical because we can strengthen bones, we can strengthen muscles, but if the brain isn't ready to control that movement and to control how we're, we're shifting our body, that's where, you know, disaster can happen. Well, and just to kind of recap what you said, so I'm talking to Joni Boyd. My name is Angie Miller. I'm the host of Strong Mind, Strong Body, and we are talking about fall prevention for seniors. And Dr. Joni Boyd is, uh, she is a project director in South Carolina for a program called Bingo Size, which is a fall prevention program. And so, Joni, you're talking about, you know, most things don't happen when we're just simply walking one foot in front of the other. It's those side-to-side movements. It's the quick reactive responses that we need to make in everyday life. And, you know, it's interesting, first, I'm very sorry to hear about your aunt. And so often, ironically, the number one thing that is so good for all of us, including seniors, are pets. And yet it's often pets that get between our feet and trip us. It happens to me all the time. My dog is constantly tripping me. And so we do have to teach them how to be reactive, how to be responsive, teach them those cognitive components and those tricky foot patterns so that when they actually need to put them into action, they have them readily available, both in their movement patterns, but up here, kind of locked in tight, right? Absolutely. And and another great component about bingo size specifically, what what does separate that particular program from some of the other programs is it does incorporate in some of the populations, um, it does incorporate more of an educational component. So Mm -hmm. for example, if if you were to incorporate bingo size at at a local um, uh, facility, YMCA or something like that, then you could incorporate um, educational strategies as well. So you're teaching individuals where falls are most likely to happen so that they're more aware. They're more, uh, you know, focused on, okay, I'm in the bathroom. What kind of falls might happen here versus in my living area versus outside versus when I travel to my family's house. So when my, um, you know, older family members come visit me, I'm very aware, very conscious of what in my house might cause, you know, a trip or a fall 
Is there a toy on the floor? Is the rug corner, uh, you know, yes. flipped up where you, it it just could catch the toe at just the right, you know, right spot to potentially cause a fall. So that's another component that I, I really love about the bingo size program um, that that's specific. And certainly you could incorporate that. You could do your own research and incorporate some of those things in any program. Uh, but I like that it's packaged nicely that way. Um, but yes, agree. That's it. it it's so critical to to educate and then to focus on the strategies specifically to to prevent falls. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you saying that, you know, because the education component is huge. Telling them, you know, this is likely, yes, it's it's obvious we could slip in the shower. We can put the, the bath mats down and that type of thing. But what we don't think about, like you said, is the things like there, there might be a gap in the rug and we trip on that or thinking about, again, our pets, which are highly likely to get under our feet at the, you know, least whatever times. Or when we go out to walk our pet yeah. and it's raining outside and it's slippery. So I teach a lot of like toe to heel walking, um, yeah. like you said, walking backwards, the side to side stuff. Um, you also mentioned the, um, you give them a word to remember. I often will throw out a math problem or I'll say, tell me a story while they're moving because I want them to have to think while they're moving. And so what do you mean? Tell me a story, Angie, I'm trying to focus on moving. I'm like, no, I want you to focus on doing more than one thing at once because this is how we navigate the world. Our brain is always being hijacked by stimuli. Um, and so I do a lot of that. And then the other thing that you mentioned that is key is that we have to teach them to walk and to move because one of the signs that, you know, with an aging population is that they have to stop and look at you eye to eye in order to carry on a conversation. We want to avoid that. We want them to be able to carry on a conversation while they're walking the way that we do when we go walking with our girlfriends or our spouse, right? Yes, absolutely. And and what you mentioned is, is part of it. The brain has this on, it's really switch tasking. We don't multitask very well. In fact, we only multitask when one task is automatic, meaning we can walk and talk because really walking is automatic and talking is automatic. But if we get to a point where we're not doing that a lot, then it does it's not automatic anymore. Uh, and so it's important to make sure that not only are we wanting the brain to be able to multitask, but we want the brain to be able to switch effectively. Switch mm. task is more appropriate. Uh, this is why, you know, watching your TV show and, and doing homework may not be the best uh, combination of activities for, for a child. It's the same here. If we train our older population to be able to move one and then move to a, a different type of movement, and we're incorporating different movement patterns, then it teaches their brain that it's okay to switch tasks. We get more efficient at switch tasks. We can multitask when that particular movement pattern is automatic. And that may prevent, for example, my aunt, the brain may, may have been able to focus on both what's happening on, oh, I need to move out of the way that, you know, the dog is in my way to muscles around the hip, engage, strengthen, there's, yes. there's a, there's a, a danger response, right? It's the kind of that fight or flight moment that the brain can still react. And with age, yeah. that it does reduce. So mm -hmm. if we can incorporate much more of those types of, of um, complex movement patterns, thinking, as you mentioned, um, you know, moving from one movement to the other, 
quickly within a safe environment as much as we can to start with, and we can um, make that as realistic as possible. All right. Well, Joni, I really appreciate you. I feel like you've given some really concrete takeaway tips. And so once again, I was talking to Joni Boyd. She's an associate professor at Winthrop University, and she is project director of Bingo Size in South Carolina and also an APA master instructor. So fall prevention for our older population is critical. And um, I hope that this was very useful to our NASM and APA audience and just some user-friendly takeaway tips, you know, um, to use with all populations, but especially especially with the senior population. So thank you again, Joni, for coming on. And thanks to all of you for joining us.